Hi, my name's Steve and I love people who make things. On the factory next door, we don't just meet the makers, we go through their factory gates. Hello Lynn, how are you? Hello Steve. And what an extraordinary, extraordinary workshop. Each episode focuses on one beautifully made piece and the person behind it. My poor son, he jokes about it now. You used to make me sleep in a suitcase. We never argue. Sure we have a bit of a, yeah, we have tense moments. <laughs> Join me, let's go traveling. Hey, welcome to the factory next door. This week we're in Cornwall, at the southwestern tip of England. Well, actually, we will be in Cornwall eventually. It's just coming up to midnight and we're leaving London's Paddington station. I got my marmalade sandwiches packed. And we are due into Cornwall tomorrow morning at 7am. I'm not going to lie, I've splashed out and got a sleeping berth rather than just snoozing in a seat. And... Um, I absolutely love it actually. Cozy bed, tiny little sink hidden under a drawer. It's an adventure. In this episode, we are celebrating something built for adventure. The backpack. Whilst I brush my teeth after all that marmalade, have a listen to what's coming up in the show. I tried sewing, but it led to a lot of bleeding on my hands. Presumably the big heavy leathers. They, yeah. These must be quite hard to work with, are they? Um, no. There is a returning towards appreciating the craft and people wanting to understand how things are made and who made them. And I know so much. 40 years in, you go, I know so little. Start manufacturing in massive quantities and make loads of money, probably. Okay, you know. <laughs> Welcome to Red Ruth. Sign says the heart of Cornish mining. Um, actually, I've just come out of the train station and across the road from me, painted on the wall, is a lovely mural kind of showing different gestures in sign language. So thank you, yes, hello, goodbye. It's actually very, very nice. Um, anyway, so I am here to meet um, someone whose company makes seriously impressive backpacks. His design studio is based in the town here, but I also know he prefers to be outside rather than inside. So um, I suspect we're not going to catch up in an air-conditioned office. I'm just waiting for him to pick me up. So I am now down at the north coast of Cornwall and Mark, founder of the Level Collective, has driven me down here. We are looking out over the Atlantic. It's uh, really very, very beautiful. The waves are crashing in below us. Uh, there is a bit of a strong breeze, I'm not going to lie, but um, hopefully we're going to be okay. If it gets a little bit too much, we might retreat into, uh, into Mark's van. Right, now, most of the interviews I've been doing for the show were, were kind of, we're in a factory or in a design studio. Um, why, why here? Why have we come here to have a chat? It's being outside and being on the coastal path is such a, a huge part of, of life down here and the consolation of being um, in the corner of the country. <laughs> and it's just so beautiful and it's, um, it's a big part of what inspires the brand and me personally, um, where I get a lot of life. Uh, so I thought, rather than sitting in a cafe, let's 
that's come and be on the breezy coastal path. And I can see, you know, you, in your hand, you've got your notebook, you've got sketches um, of, of different, I, I'm, I'm spying, hopefully I'm not sharing secrets here, I'm spying other backpacks that you're designing and things like that. Is it, is it going to be a bit too cliche for me to say that you literally come down here, sit, look out over the sea, hear the waves and actually sketch? <laughs> that is a bit cliche. I'm, I've done that a handful of times, but if, if you want that dream, you get, yeah, everything I design, that's what I do now. Um, most of the ideas come when I'm just actually walking uh, rather than just sitting with a sketchbook. So it's when I'm trying not to think about things and then just ideas will come into my head when you're, you're not trying too hard, I suppose. 2017 I'd been running the brand for um, three years and um, I'd kind of done yeah the graphic t-shirts and I'd done a few other um, products and enjoyed that but just felt ready for a new challenge and I felt like the backpack as a as an item is just such a a companion it's got such longevity um, and I thought it can't be that hard I tried working with the backpack design company in um, in Sheffield and then we had the initial meeting and then basically it turned out he was going to work as a brand director for a really big company and was closing his company so I was like oh right I'm gonna have to do this myself then um, so Stephen you sat next to um, <laughs> a prototype of uh, the Winnet's roll top which is I'll try and describe it to you it's it is a hodgepodge of some pretty awful type fabric and it's stapled together I tried sewing but it led to a lot of bleeding on my hands so uh, I stapled it together which proved to be really useful for rapid prototyping and just exploring proportions exploring different pockets and ways that um, the design could come together I suppose it taking a physical form um, was was a logical next step from just sketches in the sketchbook and playing with colors on illustrators so without any formal training you start to design and build this prototype that's sat next to us <laughs> here, which is covered in staples and, and pins. But was, was, there, was there one or many points where you think, actually, I'm not sure I should be making a backpack? Yeah, many. I, I, I think I was working it out um, yeah, a few weeks ago um, and chatting with Leslie, um, who makes the bags. And, and there's something like 92 different processes goes through to make it and there's 24 different components like separate things that I have to find and buy and you get whereas if you think of a t-shirt or if you think of a, a shirt it's, it's pretty straightforward so yeah it was tricky just finding what was right and getting lots of samples find, researching I suppose I don't really enjoy researching but it's but it's very exciting when you come across oh this is exactly the sort of thing I had in my head and I, yeah I probably didn't realize how specific I was in my head about what I was looking for but you kind of know it when you see it. Were you ever annoyed with yourself for being so specific? Yes, yeah, I spent, and I still am, <laughs> I spent a ridiculous amount of time trying to find this exactly right coloured thread that matched the lining that, that, um, that wasn't quite right. We went with one that I'd found for a while and then I was like, it's not quite right. I know, I have a little, yeah, little checklist in the back of my head when it's not, it's not 100%. So, yeah, I'm, it's prob yeah, I'm, I, uh, I'm definitely a perfectionist for better and worse. So you mentioned about how you've got all the different parts which come from across, across the UK, is that right? Mm. All of the yeah. parts. And they all go to uh, a Birmingham workshop yeah. uh, for assembly and that's done by Leslie. Yeah, I mean, workshops, um, 
it's a it's a very tiny workshop <laughs> at the bottom of, uh, of a garden. I went to see her uh, a couple of days ago. Have a listen to this. My name is Leslie Taylor, and I've been working in the leather trade for nearly 40 years. I think the thing that people are surprised at when they come in here is the number of sewing machines. So I think I've got seven or eight different sewing machines in here. So they all have a slightly different role. So this is used on the Level Collective bags, which is a bar tacker, which does sort of security sewing and makes things very strong. And then my main everyday sewing machines, which are these flatbed machines, um, or very heavy leather goods on this one. This is a skiving machine. Uh, Great name. Set that off and then just walk away and go get a cup of yeah, tea, can you? Yeah. Um, so really, tell, tell me why it's called a skiving machine. Um, I don't know why it's called a skiving. So skive. What's the link between skive and skiving? I Doesn't don't matter. Know. The, the listeners will just have to Wikipedia. I'll, I'll, that. I'll, ha I'll have a think about it. And then under the table, I have all my leather stores. So um, sort of firm, heavy leathers and then softer rolled leathers underneath there. Presumably the big, heavy leathers, they, yeah. these must be quite hard to work with, are they? Um, no, it's just knowing what you're I doing. I am wrong again. Well, it's just having the right equipment and the right tools. I think people always think, oh, right, yeah, sort of like maybe forcing a, a needle through, but you don't, you make a hole and then put your thread and your needle through. So it's just knowing how to do it. Absolutely nothing I do is that clever it really i'm sure re that's not true no no it really isn't i think it's all actually just really straightforward it's just knowing the the process and sort of you know picking it up over time there's a lot of i suppose different information that you gather but if you think about it you go into a factory and you've got people um doing sort of one job over and over again in a, a big sort of with you know maybe hundreds thousands of people in a factory and it's a simple job and all I'm doing is kind of gathering lots of those simple jobs into sort of one one big complicated yeah, job you know you, you... tell me about some of the amazing tools you've got uh, lined up all the way along right, the wall yeah here. no I'm I'm very uh I love my tools because they've been collected over my lifetime. I've been in the leather trade since I was 19. So some of the most useful things are, um, these are edge shavers. Some people call them bevelers. And what that does is, if I can show you. Um, so this is, this is quite a small little hand tool that looks yeah. in my... Um, in my eyes, kind of like a slightly bent screwdriver. Yeah, and what that does is shaves the edge, the corner off a piece of leather. So, say on a handle, uh, you don't have a rough, hard edge. You have then a smooth edge or on a belt. So, it's something that people just wouldn't see that it's been done. But you would feel the difference if it's been done or not been done. You know, the yeah. embossing on a leather, I think, always looks really beautiful. So, little story. That's kind of what got me into the whole 
leather work process. So as a little girl, I was uh, on holiday in France with my parents, uh, probably seven or so, and hippies in a marketplace uh, hammering out wristbands with your name on. So you gave them your name and they made you a wristband. And it was my most treasured thing. And it was like with my name embossed on this wristband. I was like, oh, so beautiful how that works. And I loved that. And then I became a leather worker and it kind of all started with that wristband and just like how nice embossing is. <laughs> Not so nice. So we'll hear more from Leslie in a little bit. But getting slightly concerned by the wind, I'm not going to lie. Okay, so as good as the view was, and it still is, um, it was a bit windy. So we've actually just come inside Mark's van, where we are still parked to enjoy the amazing view out over the coastline and the rocks. Mark, I just want to pick up on um, something that's written on your website. On the website it states, a goal of the company is to reassert clothing as craft, mm. companions for life's adventures. I guess you're saying that because you think we have lost that. Yeah, I suppose the way the high street system is set up is we're conditioned to want the shiny new, we're conditioned to want the same thing but in a different colour and, and to want more. More is more, right? But, and it's purposefully impersonal and by design so that there isn't a connection there. Um, and I suppose back in the day you'd have known the person who made your shoes or, um, you know, knitted your top maybe. But <laughs> So I suppose it's kind of a, a nod towards that and the reality of making things properly, making things locally, making things, you know, sharing the stories of the people who, who make them and, and the process involved so people feel connected with the products that they own. And it's not just another thing, it's not just a jacket, it's not just a backpack, it's like, oh, this was made by Leslie. And, you know, things that are going to last, things that are going to be on with you for the journey of life's adventures. And, you know, I love, I love my, my backpack because I've been to various continents in it in the last four and a half years and that means something to me um, because of those experiences and I, I so I want to keep it for the rest of my life I, it'll need repairing over time to keep it on the road but that that has more soul to me and I think there's definitely a movement in that direction towards repairing towards you know buy less but better is a phrase that gets used a lot but it's but it's true and I think there is a returning towards appreciating the craft and people wanting to understand how things are made and who made them and um, that being a nice story to hold with you with the product rather than it just being a jacket. Is there, is there a particular failure that you've had in your years where it has been painful but perhaps very, uh, very educational? I haven't I haven't made any like ridiculously bad decisions but I feel like I could have been braver and like backed myself more like had more confidence and taken a few more punts like you know I had, if I look back I'm like well I did design a backpack from nothing I didn't know <laughs> what on earth I was doing but but there are other areas yeah where I could have been braver I suppose and that's where I'm at I'm kind of at the place where I'm 
trying to be braver and trying to take more risks but in a you know in a, in a sustainable way um a friend of mine's a painter and we were talking about it and he he was showing me some of his amazing paintings it's called alex yala and he does these just beautiful um coastal landscapes and um I was asking about different ones and he was saying, oh, I'm not sure about this one. Like, he sort of reaches a point where a painting either, it's kind of all right, it kind of needs to either throw a load of colour at it and it'll be amazing or he just needs to start again. <laughs> and kind of being at that point where, yeah, I suppose I could really relate to that, like needing to just throw a bit of colour at something. And It's interesting, uh, the point you make with your friend, the painter, where he's kind of like, you know, just working on something, working on something and then, mm. you know, Sometimes you can have that situation where you work on something or you refine something so much that ultimately, actually, you start to you start to not like it. Mm. You start to be like, ah. Oh! Um, do do you get that with your backpacks? Because obviously, you're, you're you're you've been testing them. You 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 put so much hours, days, weeks, years into creating something that you feel really confident and comfortable with getting the right buckles you were talking about earlier mm. but did it ever tip into that point where you hated the backpack um <laughs> yeah i suppose during the process it was it was it was the buckles that were the hardest thing like i literally bench used a bench grinder to you know i spent 45 minutes doing like a set of buckles for a bag and like this isn't sustainable <laughs> this isn't gonna work like and it looked pretty terrible as well because i'm not a favorite of the bench grinder but a friend was very kind and like <laughs> showed me how to use it but <laughs> yeah um yeah I, su I suppose you're as a designer you, yeah you never arrive and you're always looking to to tweak things and better yourself and i'm working on the sketches that you saw earlier were uh, just yeah another sort of model of pack and um yeah, uh, I suppose. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy. I'm trying to get better at the way I think. Is I can be very self-critical and I can problem solver, and so I look for problems. That's kind of my job, but also trying to learn to celebrate the successes and and uh, and what's working and what I've got. Loads of happy customers, and I absolutely love it when I get an email from someone randomly just saying, just to say, I use my bag every day, and I absolutely love it. It brightens my commute. I'm like, oh cool. That's why I get out of bed, and like. Okay, I'm not solving world poverty, but like that's bright in someone's life, and someone's connected with. They've not just thrown their bag on. Like they feel that sense of connection. That gives them some sense of joy, and um, and I think that's beyond just materialism. And it and it just you know being a nice bag to look like it's. Yeah, I think. Um, just not yeah. taking it for granted. Right? Yeah. Um. Picking up on your your comment there, just about kind of you know, wanting to learn more wanting to push forward. Actually, that's something um, Leslie was talking to me about as well. So we can pop back to Birmingham and uh, catch up with a little bit more from Leslie. And she was just telling us about actually how her career got started. I briefly uh, went to catering college and I kind of liked the process of making things, but I get upset because people would eat it. And so you put all this work into stuff and you didn't have something left at the end. Yeah, which that's I'd... a problem, isn't it? You don't want to be a chef who's like, da -da. but you, you can't eat it. <laughs> Take a photo for Instagram and then leave. Yeah. So I kind of, I always knew I wanted to make something that lasted longer than a meal, really. And I love cooking, but it, as a career, you know, I was like, Meh. and then by chance, I 
got this job with a leather merchant and it was a light bulb moment because suddenly you could see that the value of the material being leather meant the end product was more valuable. I was hugely encouraged by the leather merchant. He was just fantastic. So I was working for him and then I got a little sort of upstairs garrety workshop. There's an awful lot of hours you have to put in. I mean, looking back now, I think, oh, sort of the, the time that you put in where you're not at home. Uh, my poor son, I mean, uh, he jokes about it now. He's like nearly 40 and uh, you used to make me sleep in a suitcase and I didn't make him sleep in a suitcase, but I had a suitcase in the corner of the workshop with all his toys in and sometimes he would fall asleep in a suitcase, but I didn't make him. <laughs> it just <laughs> happened. Are you proud of the skills you have? Yeah, I think I am, if I'm honest. Um, I, I've told this story to friends quite a lot. You have, as you get older, you change how you feel about it. So when you're young and you start out, so say when I was at the leather merchant, you've just started, but... The amount of information you've learnt over the first month, the first six months, the first year, is a huge amount compared to what you knew before. So you go, I know so much. 40 years in, you go, I know so little. Because you realise how much more there is that you could, you know, it's many, many lifetimes of learning that could be done on just like one small area of a subject. So it's, I, I am proud of what I know, but I'm also aware that there's so much that I don't know and that I'd like to know. And there's just not enough lifetimes to learn. What, what's next for you? I want to keep going. So I do worry about my hands um, and just the strain on your hands. So, because it is quite hard, uh, physically quite hard. So um, I'm okay at the moment, but I have had times where I've done one particular thing for a week or whatever and you really start to feel it. So... Um, Learning what I can still make as my body changes is going to be one of the things because you, I won't be able to do everything that I do now physically when I'm 80, which was really worrying, you know, because I want to carry on indefinitely. <laughs> There's still so many things that I need to kind of get out of my system that I still go, oh, I want to make that and I want to do that. Uh, yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for chatting to me. I did. Uh, I came down for a little chat with you and a cup of tea, but really, I came down to pick up, pick up your bag, a bag. which um, I need to sew the ends of your webbing.
Excellent. Mark said, I, finish it off when you're here, so I've left it right to the very last I, processes. I, sh I should tell everyone, for purposes of clarity, that I did buy this bag with my very well-earned overdraft. Um, <laughs> it is... It, it, there isn't there is no paid promotion or anything like that here the good thing about having a workshop behind the house is you can come down here and work at any time um, and luckily my neighbors don't seem to mind when I'm down here finishing jobs off last minute at sort of three in the morning before they're due to ship the next day um, but yes I spend an awful lot of time in this corner at this sewing machine listening to audiobooks and uh... why are you setting fire I'm just <laughs> um, melting the thread ends. So it's a polyester bonded thread. So it just like seals a little bit of ceiling so you don't have little dangly thread ends. Your bag's done. Lovely. Yay! It is a, a work of beauty. Uh, you were nodding a few times listening to Leslie there. Were some of the things resonating with what you think? Oh, it's just... I just think she's lovely. <laughs> I just love working with her and she's like, she's just so, yeah, she's so brilliant to work with. Like, I've, I've worked with a few different, quite a lot of different makers over the years and she's, yeah, we've just got a really great relationship. Would you do it again, now knowing <laughs> what it took to create the Level Collective and the backpack? Yes, I think I'd probably do things a bit differently, but it's all... Yeah, it's all the, the, the yeah probably gone the long way around <laughs> in a lot of ways, but um, but yeah, I've learned I've learned so much along the way. I suppose if I was speaking to my younger self, I would be like, go and work for like go and work at the head office for like a big like sustainable like really great brand, but go and work there for a number of years and understand how the whole system works, and then decide how you're going to knock it on its head and like and, and do your own thing. When you look at your backpack, do you see your identity woven into that backpack? I guess any kind of fortune gets old in a way, and like you get kind of used to take for granted that oh, the bag I'm wearing to like go on the coastal path, I designed this. This wouldn't exist without me. And you have to remind yourself, otherwise, it's just that's just my world. That's just my everyday. And yeah, that reminding yourself of that that is really special, and that's it's a privilege to be in a position to have ideas and to have the um, the opportunity to make them happen, to um, to bring yeah, to bring about that reality, and that's that's a privilege. But it's like anything; if you don't like remind yourself of that, it, it gets it just becomes your yeah. You just get caught in the day to day. And what next? Um, start manufacturing in massive quantities and make loads of money probably mm, okay yeah. you're going down that path <laughs> interesting <laughs> no um what's next a number of products but also yeah thinking about how in reality how do i you know how do we grow the brand sustainably um in every sense and make the numbers work but also stay true to our values um 
and yeah so lots of conversations around that in a minute and some really amazing mentors that I've come across who have kind of been there and experienced much bigger brands and kind of been there from the early days and seen how they've scaled and the mistakes they've made and trying to learn from them so yeah I feel like quite an exciting phase at the minute just really learning yeah I feel positive about it I haven't always felt like that but I feel positive about it right now <laughs> well I shall uh, I shall make sure I send you some feedback on my backpack <laughs> yeah do, please do um Mark thank you so much for talking to me thanks for having me I am back in London, backpack on, heading into the big city for new adventures. Well, I'm picking up my bambino from school, if I'm honest. And my thanks to Mark in Cornwall, Leslie in Birmingham, and to you, wherever you are listening. Thanks for joining us. And I hope you'll join us next time. <laughs>